Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shereko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shereko. On behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power calls, welcome. With so much turmoil reported on the news each day, we find ourselves wondering what we can do to improve the situation. There's a sense that we can't sit back and watch without taking action of some sort. We want to make a positive difference in the world. Our author today, David Pittman, has turned his desire to make a difference into the book Expectations of Honor, where he discusses ways to get back to the traditions of how to bring up children who are respectful, functioning adults. To do this, we need to reawaken our ability to provide love and honor for women and respect for men. Please join me in welcoming David Pittman to the call. Hello, David. Welcome. Good morning, Susan. How are you today? I'm so groovy. Yeah, <laughs> all right. You're groovy. Yes. Boy, you're defining groovy. yourself, aren't you? <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> David, what inspired you to write this book? You know, it's been something, Susan, ever since I was young, I really have felt this this calling uh, while watching the boys and girls, young men, young women, teenagers, as I was growing up, seeing the evolution of the relationships between the two and a relationship pattern that was not congruent with what I felt in my heart and what my parents were teaching me to do, which I felt in my soul was right because of the God-given movements that I was feeling growing up. And so I really had the, started having this passion over time that I should speak about it. I should tell about uh, men properly honoring women and what that looks like in women, learning how to respect men and how the two patterns flow together and create very healthy adult relationships. And, and did you, what, well, what, you had that idea, but you didn't do anything with it for a while, correct? Did something uh, trigger it correct. and say, I have to? <laughs> yes, you're exactly correct, Susan. So what happened was, so in 2006, I went to a church men's retreat up in Tabernash, Colorado. And at the men's retreat, that weekend, um, at the end of the retreat, uh, the pastor asked if any of the men wanted to stand up and just share maybe something they felt God was doing in their life or talking with them about or moving them to do. So at the, uh, that Sunday, I stood up and I said, you know what? I'm just, I feel God calling me to write a book about chivalry and honor, about men honoring women and women respecting men and what that looked like. So I proceeded to go home and do nothing about it. And then, Susan, it was the weirdest thing. Ten years later, in 2016, June, I was at that 
um, I was at our church in Littleton, Colorado. And after the worship team finished their uh, worship performance that Sunday, the drummer came down off stage, came straight to me, stood three feet away and said, I was at that men's retreat when you announced you were supposed to write a book on chivalry and honor. What did you ever do with that? And it was at that Hmm. point I'm like, oh, my goodness. It was like God took a two-by-four, swung it across, and smacked me in the head and said, it's your time right now to do this. And that afternoon, I went home, and I started writing a book. Isn't that amazing? You got the message. (laughs) (laughs) Now, can you tell us a little bit about your background, David? How did you get to this place where God would be telling you to write this particular book? Susan, I really think it comes back to the family upbringing that I had. I have grown, I grew up with the best parents any boy or young man could ever want. I grew up with the greatest siblings any boy or young man could ever want. And then I look back at our family history, and Susan, long-lived marriages are just the norm in my family history, 50-plus-year marriages. And there's virtually no divorce in our family other than maybe two that I can think of in our family history. So that really set the stage right there. And then when mother, my mother was really instrumental in setting the tone for me as a teenager. You know, as a teenager, when your mother's like, okay, why don't you come over and open the door for me and let me climb in? Okay, David, why don't you come around, open the door, take my hand and, you know, help me step out of the car. You know, that's uncomfortable as a teenager, but that really did set the stage for this pathway leading to the writing of this book uh, in 2016, the starting of that process. That's very interesting because nobody does that anymore. I can remember when women's rights first started and nobody wanted to have the door held for them anymore. They wanted to do it themselves. And it just broke down that entire process of taking care of each other. Very interesting Susan, that's to very be reminded true. of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it really is true. Um, and, of course, we grew up, and I'll use myself in the same term as we, having grown up at the early stages of the women's movement, you could really feel that. And I felt a lot of confusion growing up about amongst men, you know, how should I act towards a woman? And women, how should I expect a man to act towards me? It seemed like women were starting or girls were starting to take control and take the natural pathway of men in the relationship process away. And women started uh, leading that and it just created a lot of confusion. Now, fortunately, I had strong parents who demonstrated every day my dad how to love his wife that he chose for 55 years and my mother how to respect uh, the man who she chose to marry for 55 years. And I believe that modeling really set the tone for our family, a family where the two, my two brothers and sisters, uh, two, two brothers honor their wives and my two sisters have the greatest of respect 
for the men in their lives. So it's really an interesting process that we went through that I have observed what you were describing. My sisters didn't get caught up in the, this women's movement of taking control for themselves and taking away the men's role. So they were very fortunate that they felt that balance that was needed in the relationship pathway. And it's, and it's very interesting because it's hardly anyone still practices that, you know, it is a very, uh, it's, it's a wonderful concept to look at it. Uh, how the book is what 30 or 40 pages. Did you tell me? That is correct. Yes. And what are the various chapters on? Well, the various chapters, it's just, you know, I felt God saying, David, you don't need to write 300 pages on honoring a woman and a woman respecting a man. They're basic tried and true principles that I laid out from the very beginning, you know, from Adam and Eve, basically. And you don't need to change any of them. They're very simple. So, uh, for example, a couple of the first two or three chapters are just a background on what is honor and what is chivalry. What does that look like? And it's history. And then the next chapter is I give a little family history, which I just described a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. the third chapter is kind of the nuts and bolts of what I'm going to talk about in honor and chivalry, you know. How, how do you bring a man and, woman's, man and woman's relationship together so that it fixes together like uh, when you take nut, a nut and a bolt and you screw it through wood, it holds that wood in place with whatever it's supposed to be connected to. Thus, a relationship is supposed to be connected through nuts and bolts principles, which make it very healthy, strong, and sturdy. You know, a bridge is the same way. You know, when you put the bridge abutment to the girders, you need nuts and bolts to hold it together so it stands up and withstands all of the trials and turmoils of what's going on around it. And then the remaining chapters, Susan, really are aimed towards giving different examples of, you know, what a man can do to honor a woman in their daily relationship such as opening a woman's car door for her or holding a woman's coat open when they go out into a public place or even in their home as they're getting ready to leave to go someplace. Oh, here's, you know, one is about holding in the umbrella for the woman. And uh, if it's raining outside or snowing, you hold the umbrella and allow yourself to get wet if you only have one while she's in a really nice dress clothing Uh, so she can keep nice and dry. And so those are a couple of the initial chapters of examples. We can go into more examples in more detail uh, as we go along. Do you find that that part of that process involves rules, setting the rules of your house, how you will honor each other in your dealings with outside people, for example? Uh, Well, ask that question again. I want to make sure I get exactly where you're going. Okay. What are there rules in in this process of of honor and love and chivalry? Do you also define how you should relate to other people uh, that you encounter outside the marriage 
in order to keep your own marriage healthy? Well, I think certainly there needs to be boundaries uh, in the men and women relationships and how men relate to other women and how women relate to other men outside of the relationship. There need to be definitive boundaries, but I think men can continue to carry some of those principles on uh, with all women in the just in daily life, such as holding a door open at an, in an office building, showing her that honor, showing her that um, love that she is worthy of something. Or another example would be, hey, you're on a bus or you're on the subway system, such as in Washington, D.C., and it's full. And a woman steps on of any age, but especially a woman who's senior and maybe having a difficult time walking around. For a gentleman just to stand up and say, I'm going to do this because this is right. He stands up and offers her his seat. And she says, no, I'm okay. He says, no, you go ahead and sit down, enjoy that uh, comfortable ride, and I'll stand up. I think those are a good example of where you're leading with that question is that these, again, are tried and true principles that God has put in each of our hearts. But our parents need to be the ones or some tool, such as this book, needs to be a tool that kind of opens up that book to help us see there is a good way of being able to do what's right And then you'll feel good because you do what's right. And other people will feel good because they were treated right and respectfully. Which is a very good point. I mean, it extends to everyone. It's it's a way of being around other people. Now, absolutely. David, when you are, uh, you, you mentioned God so frequently and your relationship to him. Were you always a religious person? Uh, no, in fact, I, I basically my parents exposed me to faith, and then come eighth grade, I just said, you know, I'm done with this. And my parents said, okay, that's fine. They exposed me to it. And then in, um, I was, I believe, 1979, 1980, uh, something called Jonestown, Guyana. For those listeners who may be young and don't know what I'm talking about, but the older people will. In Jonestown, Guyana, there was what at that time was understood to be a cult of people who followed this man over and created this kind of community or commune. And they basically, what happened was that 900 people drank cyanide-laced Kool-Aid and killed themselves. And as a teenager, naive in my thinking, I saw that and said, if this is what religion or faith is, I want nothing to do with it. So in 1980, I went off to college and just, you know, followed my process in college. And you couldn't talk to me about faith. But then in 1986, an 11-year process started in which, you know, a businessman who I greatly admire started talking about the principles of the Bible and how they all relate to um, how good businesses will follow principles in the Bible. And I, really? Is that true? And so then 11 years later in 1997 in Long Beach, California, your neighborhood, I Mm -hmm. stood up at a business conference in the Long Beach Convention Center and said, 
I want to accept Christ. And I'm looking around amongst 5,000 other people, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, what did I just do? And that's not where I really grew up, Susan. It's just mm-hmm. the process God had me on. And since then, it's just been an interesting journey, to say the least, and fun and well, fascinating. Did your, did your life <laughs> change significantly from that moment? Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, it did. I mean, it literally... I got out of that conference, Susan, and I just called my college roommate and his parents because I didn't call my family. I called my college roommate because from the first time I met them, they had started praying for me to come to know Christ as my Savior. And that was probably a good uh, 17, 15 years earlier, let's say. And so I called them. And then one week later, Susan, what happens? I'm at the mall in Washington at the massive Promise Keepers event with 750,000 men. And I'm just standing there looking around, seeing these grown men in suits, in uh, motorcycle leathers with tattoos, all buttoned down. I mean, the whole spectrum, men just crying their eyes out and other men just helping to minister and soothe whatever ill feelings were going on in how they'd lived their lives or decisions they'd made. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what an amazing world have I stepped into. So that's, that's what happens in a week. You come to accept wow. Christ and you're among 750,000 men. And, Susan, I will tell you, the first thought when I looked around and saw all these men is I had the thought that any woman who walked around this place at this moment in time this would be the safest place on earth for any mm-hmm. woman or girl who walked in that environment at that moment. Incredible. So you, you are talking about um, receiving messages from God. And I've been, you know, I, I think I shared with you that I've been reading the Bible from start to, you know, the, the journey, the full thing in a year kind of thing, which is yes. an interesting process. But one, what comes across very clearly is that God speaks to people. He's, yes, you know, he he communicates to people. And, and you talk about it all the time now, that, it's, that you are receiving communications from God. How, how do you feel that God commun- – how do you recognize it? How do you know it's God talking to you? <laughs> well, it, it, that's a really funny question because I know the listener is probably going to – be scratching their head when I give this example. But ever since I was a kid, I have had this passion for license plates. And, you know, license plates are a way God connects with me. And my heart is a way God leads me to be able to spend time with him so that we can communicate and he can give me direction and guidance in my life. And you're thinking, license plates? The thing, little pieces of metal on the front and back of a car? Yes. In fact, in my collection, Susan, I have a series of probably about 40 license plates that I've gathered over time from different states that have messages that are, I would say are related to faith or God or Jesus or in God we trust, God bless America, something like that. So that every time I look at them, they remind me and give me God's presence in my heart and soul wherever I go. I believe that every person has something like that in their life. 
that God wants to use, whether it's something simple like a license plate or a place in the mountains or on the beach where they want to go every day and they feel that peace, that is the place or the thing that God can use in each of our lives to give us that centering piece of where he can communicate with us to help us become more and more of the man or woman he wants us to be in our lives. Now, so far you've mentioned um, receiving plates that give you guidance uh, or an answer or an inspiration. Have you ever felt that these license plates led you to make a difference in somebody's life? Yes. In fact, I have this story of this. uh, I took a trip, a journey down to Oklahoma once, and it was a license plate journey. And during that journey, I go into this one uh, salvage yard, auto salvage yard in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. And when I walk in late in the day, I ask the uh, gentleman, the owner, uh, to tell him I'm looking for license plates and wanted to see if he'd allow me to look through his crushed cars. And he says, nah, we don't do that. We just take all the license plates and sell them on eBay. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Well, after a little small talk, he looks at me and says, Dave, what are you doing here? Well, Susan, at that time, I was in between jobs and careers, trying to figure out the next direction in my life. And so I told him that, and I said, so I just decided to come down, do what I love, look for license plates, and get a hotel room every night with dinner and just read the Bible and pray as I go to bed. And he said at that moment, all of a sudden, it just he said he saw these hands pointing at me above me saying, my son, this is what I need you to do. And he's like, oh, my gosh. So when I got home and we had exchanged phone numbers, he shared the story with me and said, David, when you said you sit down and you pray to God and just get in his word every night, God told me I needed to be doing that because he had been going through this real challenging time with his wife where his wife was being harassed sexually in her job. And as a husband who deeply loves his wife, he was at his wit's end trying to figure out how do I handle the situation, support my wife. And he was just going through all the emotions of that. And that's an example of how God used a license plate, my passion for it, to go make a difference in this man's life. And who knows what direction he could have gone but he could have gone a completely different direction in a very negative sense. But mm-hmm. my presence, mm-hmm. God led my presence to give, help him take a good path towards resolution. Awesome. That is, that is interesting because I've often heard people talk about how God works through people. We are the arms and legs. We are the, the, the mechanism through which God is able to accomplish things. And so that's certainly an example of that. Yes. Yes. Um, now, you, are also, you also still work. Are you, are you still employed? Yes, I am. I'm a courier with a very large um, delivery and courier company, FedEx Express. So wonderful company, and that's what I do with my day job is I get to go see people every day and bring a smile to their face or to their business 
help them get something they need in a timely manner so they can move on in their life or enjoy their new product at their home. So you get to practice these principles every day in your job. Uh, yes, it's really fun. I, Susan, I was a, um, I was in accounting and I've done a couple of office type jobs in my uh, life and they never fit me at all. I was just not the person who could find that last penny or sit secluded away from people and be within my own thoughts. I needed to be around giving a smile to people, encouraging people. It's who I've always been. It's what I love to do. And the best way of doing it for me is to be out in a public capacity, letting people see a smile where they otherwise may not get one that day, but my presence or smile could help them. And I can see that being true, that you just, somebody who says have a blessed day is, is a big deal today. Hardly anybody blesses anyone anymore. It's yeah. a, a forgotten thing. Yeah, and Susan, in fact, um, I had a particular situation in Superior, Colorado, where I went to and made a delivery and knocked on the door and was walking away, and the woman homeowner steps out and says, thank you very much. And I said, oh, you're welcome. Thank you, and God bless you. Have a great day. And she suddenly turned around and said, oh, thank you so much for saying that. She said, I really needed to hear that today. Nobody ever says that anymore. Thank you. And it was a great example for me to remember who God made me to be, and that's to be out there and smile upon people and, you know, give my gifts away. Susan, our gifts are not supposed to be held in and kept to us. We're supposed to give the gifts that God brought into us at birth and spread them to the world, use them to make a difference in everybody's life, whether it's a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, a grandfather or grandmother, we're to spread that uh, joy to everybody uh, on a daily basis. That is, is so beautiful because it, it really isn't hard work to do that. It's easy to do if you just remember. You know, if you're Especially if you're acting. Yeah. Yes. Especially if you're acting out of your strengths and not your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And finding those strengths is sometimes we may not be aware of them. I find no, that you're to right. be, you know, you, we sometimes have to dig a little, to move the dust off, <laughs> you know, to get to clear, clear space so we could see what's really under there. Um, because we live in a world that doesn't live by faith. So much of the time, everyone thinks they're doing it on their own, and they work and stress out trying to get the job done and forget that they could let it go. They could hand it over to God, and God would take care of making sure it got done. And that's well, Susan, you know, those are... I was going to say it's in particularly true, I think, in men and, men and women's relationships. And one mm -hmm. of the quotes I have in the book, Expectations of Honor, was a quote by a man named John Gray, and a lot of people may have heard of the book, Men Are mm -hmm. From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Yes. And John Gray says, we mistakenly assume that if our partner loves us, we will react and behave in certain ways, the ways we react and behave 
when we love somebody. And what he's saying there is that I think as a man, okay, we react certain ways as a man. And of course, the woman's going to respond to what we're thinking and desire because she knows us. Well, that's not the case because the woman is completely different in her experiences and what she's expecting. So she may respond completely differently than we're expecting, and we're confused by that. There's, there's miscommunication, disconnectedness. So if we can learn that the, what we are hoping for is not necessarily what she's going to give us. We have to work together as a pair, a couple, to be able to recognize where each other's come from, what each other's gifts are, and try to blend them so that we have a great relationship in the future. Do you have a, any other passages from the book that you'd be willing to share? You know, another another person who I loved her book uh, was Florence Littauer. And let me see if I can find that quote. I'm just trying to think. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, you know, I, John Maxwell uh, is somebody I also absolutely love, John Maxwell. Uh, he is a leadership trainer. In fact, John Maxwell is the man who said, okay, if anyone wants to stand up and accept Christ, then do so in Long Beach Convention Center, which I did. So, um Let's see if I can get that off the top of the head. I'm just missing it. Sorry, Susan. I'm missing that as I – anyway, I, uh, John Maxwell's wisdom. Oh, here's Florence Littauer. Okay, this is the one I really wanted to get to. Add to these realities what Florence Littauer described in her book, Personality Plus, that each of us has a dominant personality type and likely a secondary personality trait. When a man and a woman have the same dominant personality, we're looking at a greater potential for conflict through competition in our strengths. When we are opposite on our personality strengths, we have a greater likelihood and connection through mutual appreciation for each other's gifts. For example, if she has a natural gift for organization and he has a natural gift for leadership, He can't organize two fleas on a dog, and she can't lead two people out of a room with one entry point. But together, they can reach heights. They cannot succeed at climbing to a loan. And I I think that's an example of bringing together two completely different people's strengths to help each other in each other's weaknesses. So you have an amazing team that comes together and has a healthy relationship that helps them flourish as adults, helps them flourish as employees or family members, and then helps set the tone for their kids because they see a working mutual relationship that isn't perfect, but there's a lot of respect and a lot of honor going on in that connection. That's a great passage. It says a great deal about human, you know, the male-female relationship and how it works. Excellent choice. <laughs> um, David, where is Expectations of Honor available? It's available primarily on um, barnesandnoble.com. 
And there's also several other local bookstores around the United States, like Tattered Cover here in Denver, where I live, and a couple other uh, local bookstores currently. And it can be purchased as a uh, softback or an online version, um, an ebook version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, well, I have to thank you for joining us today, David. I appreciate the simple demonstration of faith that guides your life, and I'm sure it has a positive effect on everyone you meet. Thank you very much, Susan. I really appreciate the opportunity to just, you know, share with people the love in my heart and the joy in my heart of being able to talk about something that's so simple that has seemed to be lost in our day and time in our generation. And that's just not here locally in Denver where I live or in California where you live, but all around the world, I think it's been lost and it's just fun to be able to start trying to awaken those simple principles that I think will make a huge difference in personal relationships between a boys and girls and as they become men and women. So they're healthy going on in the rest of their lives. Well said. Well said. So thank you also to our listeners for joining us today. We've been talking to David Pittman about his book, Expectations of Honor, which sets out guidelines to build healthy and happy marriages. And if you feel so inclined, we would appreciate your support for this program by subscribing and telling others about us. We appreciate all your participation. So thanks again for being with us, David. Thank you very much, Susan. God bless you and everyone listening. God bless you on this awesome next day of your life. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. May you find one thing you can do today to make a positive difference in the world. So long. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, Sharing the Journeys of Those Affected by Sudden and Great Loss, and What They Did to Heal, Rebuild, and Where They Are Now.